FM. Staying relevant and up to date. This is 101.9 High FM. You're listening to 101.9 High FM. I'm Shulman. This is the new Blue Review. Welcome to the program. Good to have you joining us on this October Monday morning. Fabulous to be on the show once again. And might I just say that it is an amazing time to be in Johannesburg at the moment because I think that this is probably the best jacaranda season that we have seen in years. I don't know. Like I always enjoy it when... Uh, the jacarandas are out and you've got the purple carpet and Pretoria is known as the jacaranda city. But I really think that in Johannesburg, driving around some of our suburbs, if you check out Waverley, if you're going along in certain areas of Linksfield, I've seen people taking pictures off of Northcliffe Ridge um, of the jacarandas. And I, I don't know if it's because of how hot it's been or cold or rain or whatever it is, but I actually just think that there's more jacarandas this year and that they're even more purple. Uh, than normal, which I think is just fantastic. It makes the city look so beautiful, and it is a just a great way to uh, to be out and about. When you're in the traffic, at least you have a great tree to look at. And it also means that if you're studying, uh, that this really is the time. You know, the jacarandas are out. You better better start studying. So if you're out there uh, getting ready for exams, I hope that that is going well for you, and that uh, the show is going to go well for you. And I sincerely hope it does, because we've got a great lineup. For you today, uh, all sorts of uh, interesting uh, and uh, intriguing, I hope, stories coming around from the world. We're going to be talking about the rock in the red zone. I've been chatting about this once or twice in the last couple of weeks, but uh, it's actually showing this week. So we're talking about this movie that is coming up uh, on Thursday. Also, of course, uh, lots of commemorations happening around the death of Yitzhak Rabin. Uh, that's also going to be happening. We're going to be talking a little bit about that. Uh, we're going to be speaking about a new initiative coming out of Congress to fund uh, Israeli-Palestinian dialogue, which I think is very interesting for a variety of reasons. So that's also going to be in the agenda. And then, and then, we're going to be talking about high-tech and beauty startups coming out of Israel. So uh, if you are a user of Uber, for example, uh, you'll be uh, understanding how apps can change your transport. Well, there's a new Israeli app out there which is changing the way that people approach beauty uh, technicians. So I think that's uh, something light and interesting uh, to chat about on the show today. So I'm looking forward to all of that. By the way, if you want to be part of the conversation, uh, we'd love to talk to you. We, we, we'd love to hear from you. You can WhatsApp us, 061-895-1019. That's 061-895-1019. And you can SMS us on 34519. Tweet us at ChaiFM. Um, what else is there? SMSs, tweets, WhatsApps, emails. You can even email us. Info at chaifem.com. So we're quite happy to, to chat to you about any of, uh, any of these things. I think it would be great to hear from you and uh, great to do, uh, you know, engage on some of the stories. So we're going to take a short break and when we come back, uh, we'll be chatting a little bit about the rock in the red zone. From talk to music, from Johannesburg to Israel, from sport to business, this is 101.9 High FM. Indeed, it is 101.9 Kai FM, New Blue Review here with Benji Shulman. And if you are the movie musical politics type, and let's be honest, who isn't, uh, then you should definitely be looking out for the premiere, the South African premiere of Rock in the Red Zone, which is happening on the 25th of October. That's this Thursday uh, in uh, in 
I think it's in New Metro. And The Rock and the Red Zone is a very interesting movie. You know, uh, on the one hand, it's all about the rock bands of steroid. Now, uh, if you are interested in music and interested in the world sound of Israeli music, so the Idan Reichels, for example, that you find uh, playing on our very own station here, our own high FM, uh, you you should be interested in this in this movie because what it talks about is the fact that when uh, music was kind of evolving in Israel in the fifties and the sixties, uh, initially the Israeli sound was very similar to like the Beatles or some of the Western sounds that you would have heard uh, from different rock bands that were playing in the world at that time, and the Israelis were very much copying that style, but there were a small number of bands that were hanging out in the small city of Sterot. Sterot, of course, is as famous for being the city in the south of Israel, which has to deal with the rocket fire, and we'll get to that in a second. But the the rock bands of Sterot were mostly from uh, Mizrahi. They were people who had come from different parts of the world, in the Arab world, from India, from uh, all sorts of other places, and they were really pioneering their own music. They were from a poor town. Uh, Sterot's never been a wealthy part of Israel. And so they were creating this very unique sound. And as that bled into Israel uh, in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, it completely transformed Israeli music. And the steroid bands became the epicenter of the change to the kind of music that we now hear on High FM and uh, is a big part of what we think of as Israeli music. So if you like that sort of aspect, you will no doubt like Rock in the Red Zone. But the, the, the story doesn't end there. It's really about a woman who comes from L.A., to study this issue of uh, bands in Israel. And, and what she ends up doing is, is, is a documentary on this. But in the process of this documentary, she then has to confront the other reality of steroids. And that is the reality that, uh, there are bombs going off and, uh, and rockets firing. And this is already now earlier, uh, 10 years ago when, when the flare ups with Gaza had started already. And, and she, you know, she, she has to now, whilst trying to create the documentary about the bands, is suddenly having to deal with the problem of, of having a, a rockets falling on her head. And basically, this story kind of switches genres. So you have to deal on the one side with the, the rocket attacks and on the other side with the, with the issue of, of, uh, of, of the bands and, and, and the music and what does it do to the, the politics. It's not an easy film to watch. Uh, you know, it, this, it never is, but I would really encourage you to go and see it. It just shows you, uh, about the resilience of those people, uh, in steroids, what they have to do and, and, uh, how they have to fight really, uh, to keep the humanity in a place like that. So, uh, if you are interested, I would definitely encourage you to go. It's going to be at half past seven on the 25th of October. I think it's playing in Hyde Park and uh, you to book, you can go to admin at sazf.org. Or you can phone 011-645-2601 and there are special rates for students and pensioners. 011-645-2601, uh, special rates for students and pensioners. That's a rock in the red zone. I would really encourage people to go, uh, have a look at that, uh, check out the film and, uh, you know, just really understand what's going on. It certainly was a film that touched me. I think it's an issue that touches our whole community, the issue of Gaza and steroids. And uh, definitely worthwhile uh, supporting. 
We take a short break, a little bit of music, and then when we come back, we'll be speaking more on the new Blue Review. The best part of your day at the heart of your community. All the talk, all the music, all the news. Hi FM. 101.9 Hi FM. I'm Benji Shulman, and this is the new Blue Review. Welcome back to the show. Good to be with you. On the program, and I heard Howard and Zanati talking about uh, Yitzhak Rabin uh, this morning, and I think it is important to to talk about it because it was such a, sure, a, a mind blowing thing that happened that someone could be assassinated over politics in Israel, and I mean I was only ten I think at the time when it happened. I didn't even really understand what it was. But since then, uh, it's been commemorated every single year, and I see that uh, later on this week. Uh, Habonim uh, and uh, the Israeli embassy are doing a uh, a, uh, a a memorial uh, that's going to be, I think, on Wednesday, uh, and so they're going to be they're going to be uh, commemorating his life. And uh, it happens every single year, and uh, definitely worth attending. I've been to a few of them, and it's certainly a, 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 a pause and a thought, especially when you consider that we're looking at uh, 25 years since the, the Oslo uh, peace accords. And, uh, you know, we ha- we spoke last week to Gershon Baskin, and he was talking about what went wrong with the Oslo Accords and how it could have been fixed and w- what are still the issues. And and that kind of ended up defining Rabin's life. But, in fact, he had this uh, enormous, illustrious career, especially as a general uh, in the IDF. You know, he did uh, all the hard graft in terms of the fighting and uh, in 48, and he was really uh, a huge pioneer in terms of the creation of Israel as a warrior and then got really close to potentially being one uh, as as uh, someone who created peace uh, in the country. So uh, it is important to remember, and I think it's important to remember for a variety of reasons, not only from the perspective of the fact that he was killed, which is obviously something in and of itself which is important to commemorate, but I think that what people like Rabin remind us is that peace is important, and that peace is something that we can pursue. And it's really easy to uh, forget these days, you know, when you're dealing with groups like Hamas and ISIS and Hezbollah and uh, you have the Jordanians saying that they don't really like the peace aspects of the peace treaty and all these kinds of things. Uh, I think it's, uh, it's important to remember that Rabin was so close uh, to the process of creating peace and, and saw it uh, as something that he had to uh, literally put his life on the line for in order to do. And it's it's interesting for me to see that people have started to excavate the the Oslo process a little bit and have started to think about what uh, what it really means and, and where to from here. Uh, I know that in New York, for example, there's been Oslo. Uh, the musical, <laughs> if you can believe it, but basically a play about the Oslo process, which uh, has been gotten people thinking, uh, and there's been a number of different articles and books now being written on the process. Uh, even Al Jazeera got on board. Uh, in fact, it was quite bizarre for me that Al Jazeera 
were some of the first people to start talking about the Oslo Accords and, and what it meant, uh, for, for different players. And, uh, yeah, there's, there's a few different, uh, people who are starting to engage with the process. I know there's a movie that's just been made called Oslo as well, which is made from the Israeli side, uh, of, of the perspective, which, which I think is pretty interesting. And I'd like to talk about it at some point. I see it actually featured in the Josie Film Festival. Uh, recently, which is uh, for me quite interesting. And Josie Film Festival, all these film festivals tend to be more on the left, often more critical of Israel. You don't often see Israeli cinema in it. So the fact that they have even an Oslo, uh, you know, festival, I think is, is pretty interesting. And, and even people who are more critical of the process, you know, the, I saw the Middle East Forum recently wrote a whole article about Rabin and his process, uh, and, uh, uh, the book My Promised Land it puts a whole chapter towards it, and basically, a lot many of them are very critical of Rabin and uh, his relationship to to the Oslo Accord. They say he was duped. They say he wasn't, uh, you know, really a fay with what was going on. Others say that he probably would have pulled out. But the point is, is that he was going through the process and he was focusing on it, and he saw it as a value. Uh, and hopefully, one day uh, we can find a. a another Rabin and another process and another way that uh, the, the issue can be solved because uh, that's, I think, what everyone in Israel wants, which is uh, peace and not to have to worry that their sons and daughters are going to go into the army one day and not come back. So it's worth remembering. Uh, so if you are available, go uh, get in contact with the Israeli embassy or with Habonim and go to uh, the memorial for Yitzhak Rabin. Definitely uh, definitely worthwhile. We're going to take uh, a short break. And uh, on that note, on that thinking, uh, we will then come back. We're going to be talking about a new um, initiative being driven out of the American Congress to get Israelis and Palestinians talking. Stay relevant and up to date. This is 101.9 High FM. That was Sugur Acher from Natan Goshen on 101.9 High FM. Great song. Really, really... Uh, I like the vibe about it. It's chilled and nice on a Monday morning. By the way, you can be part of the show as well. You can WhatsApp us, 0618951019, if you're keen to be part of that, or SMS us, 34519. Happy to take uh, any of your comments and uh, questions about what we are talking about. And I, I thought this item was pretty interesting that I came across uh, for the show. It says, pro-Israel Congress members push for bill for Palestinian investment. Now, it sounds like a bit of a bit of a strange one. So let me give you a bit of the background. You will recall that recently the Trump administration has been slashing budgets for all sorts of overseas aid, but particularly uh, to the Palestinians. There's been massive, massive cuts in aid. So... Uh, the, for example, uh, they cut about $300 million uh, in aid to the Palestinians last year, of which all, all that remains is $50 million that goes to the Palestinian security uh, services, which, of course, the PA security services are key to keeping uh, the West Bank calm and quiet. Um, and, uh, of course, they work very closely with, with the Israelis on that. So the, all of that was cut out. Um and of course, another 300 million was cut in funding to UNRWA, and uh, that's the United a State Nations Agency that administers assistance to the Palestinians. Uh, and uh, this has upset many people, including the Europeans and the Chinese and uh, all sorts of 
all sorts of others. And uh, this included all sorts of humanitarian existence as well, uh, including Palestinian hospitals and uh, all sorts of things. Now, on the one side, this move has been praised because the Palestinians uh, were using a large chunk of their money that they were getting to fund terrorism activities and um, and and not deal uh, with the, the peaceful aspects of uh, coexistence, which was one aspect. Uh, and, uh, uh, and, and people said that this money was incentivizing terrorism. On the other side, people were saying, look, uh, UNRWA has many problems, uh, especially in its education system where it uh, contributes to bad stereotyping of Jews and, and doesn't encourage peace and, and all sorts of things. But it is also crucial uh, in terms of humanitarian aid for uh, the Palestinians and what might take over might be worse. So it was kind of an interesting uh, dilemma and an interesting problem uh, that the, the Trump administration decided to take on. And it's in this context that these lawmakers have now come to the party. And it's really, really interesting. So uh, these are the people who... Uh, uh, have decided to do it. Now, first of all, what's interesting is it's what's called a bipartisan bill, uh, which means that it's both the Republicans and the Democrats getting together uh, to say that they are going to be uh, doing this. So that's uh, uh, that's quite interesting uh, because, as you might know, in Washington at the moment, uh, people are not cooperating. So l- listen to this. Representative Jess, Jeff For- Fortenberry, he's from Nebraska, he's a Republican, and he did a joint statement with Representative Nikita Lowreef, uh, who's a Democrat from New York. Uh, and and they said that this will be a new bill that will, will be taking place. And what is it going to be doing? It's going to be creating better economic uh, and interpersonal linkages for, for prosperity and interconnectedness between the region's peoples. That's what they said in the press release. Now, four senators, so remember in America they have the Congress, which uh, are certain kinds of representatives that are voted on, and then you have the Senate, which is a separate house. And in order to get anything done, you need both to agree. So four senators, this was Chris Coons, who's a uh, Democrat from Delaware, Lindsey Graham, who uh, is a Republican, uh, you would have seen him uh, during the Kavanaugh affair. He did a lot of shouting during that. Uh, Tim Kaine, who is a Democrat, and uh, Corgi Gardner, who's a Republican from Colorado. They all introduced the the legislation simultaneously. In other words, they've managed to get Democrats and Republicans, both in the Congress and in the Senate, to back this bill. And uh, what's more, they're not they're not sort of minor backbenchers uh, either. Many of them are many pro-Israel leaders in the Congress. Uh, Lowry is the, probably the highest ranking Jewish Democrat, and he's on the House Appropriations Committee, which means he controls the money. And Lindsey Graham is part of the Foreign Operations Subcommittee uh, of the Senate Appropriations Committee. So basically, they've got serious people behind this. And what is this bill going to do? They want to put $50 million back into the system. Uh, and what's the $50 million going to do? Uh, it's going to be supporting, as I said, a Palest- the Palestinian economy and dialogue. And basically the programs are going to be uh, finding a way to help uh, Israelis and Palestinians talk to one another, basically dialogue um, money, uh, the sorts of things where you get people to sit around, go to camps, 
uh, kids working with one another, IT programs that have both Israelis and Palestinians working together, uh, water programs, environmental, all this kind of thing. And the idea is that these programs are going to um, help to keep the engagement going. And I think that that's uh, really important. It also will help to get Palestinian businesses up and running so that they can engage uh, with Israeli businesses and help build partnerships that way. And I really do think that this is an important bill because uh, for all of the removal of UNRWA funding and uh, all of the problems that are created, the, the, at the same time, there was this massive issue uh, that uh, the only contact between Israelis and Palestinians, uh, well, not the only one, but a significant part of it was being cut off by this lack of money. And I think that this is really an impressive uh, achievement that you could get in this American context, both uh, Democrats and Republicans, to get behind an initiative like this, put real money on the table, uh, and and uh, help to uh, make sure that the Israelis and the Palestinians can can get back together and at least someone is doing some talking somewhere. Interestingly, the bill has been backed by a number of centrist groups, including the American Jewish Committee and the Jewish Council for Public Affairs, and also has the support for the Alliance for Middle East Peace, which helps facilitate funding for dialogue groups. So uh, I hope that that does come to fruition and it is an effective measure. And I think that we'll have to watch it uh, as we see uh, what it does. So uh, we're going to keep an eye on that. For the moment, we're going to be taking some more music. Back after this. A frequency like no other. 101.9 High FM. Benji Shulman here on the New Blue Review. Hope you're doing well and are doing your bit on Monday morning to get out there and get on with your work week. Now, I know uh, Craig especially is worried about uh, this issue. Uh, how do you fit in uh, your beauty schedule into a jam-packed uh, you know, schedule that you have out there? How do you get all of those nails done and the facials and the manis and the pedis? This is a serious issue fo- facing all sorts of people, uh, but I suppose especially women. And it turns out, as for everything these days, that there is an app for that. And now it is also being offered in Israel. So... Or being uh, started in Israel. So I thought this is an absolutely fantastic story. It's the story of Maya Gura, uh, who is work, who was working uh, with disadvantaged women in 2011 as part of her graduate studies in criminology, can you believe it, at Israel's Bar Ilan University. And they were trying to find uh, a way uh, to turn their lives around, uh, she says, and get out there and get work. But they lacked access to technology and training. Uh, that many people, you know, take for granted. Now, uh, Maya is a, a serious uh, entrepreneur and techie uh, lady. She started out uh, with two successful startups, one called The Gift Project and one called Pick Scout. And uh, she says that when she started out, it was a very male-dominated industry. Uh, and she decided to to just go back to school, uh, which was why she was at Bar Ilan. And uh, and when she was there, she decided to come up with this new app, which is basically a uh, popular home beauty service app called Miss Bees, M-I-S-S-B-E-Z. And it in, today employs, in, provides employment for hundreds of women in Israel and the UK. And it was founded in March 2015 and appeals to women who are struggling to find a place <coughs> for their uh, excuse me beauty regime in a jam 
packed schedule. So basically, it's a little bit like uh, an Uber, except you're you're not trying to order an Uber. You you basically come it comes up on the screen, and uh, you can order a massage, or you can uh, get your nails done, or there's certain hair removal services and you kind of pick one and what it does is it cycles through all the different people who are able to offer that service especially the ones that uh, are in your area or that you can connect to and uh and ba- and what you're able to do uh is then pick the one that works for you now this is great for beauty therapists because uh, many of them have doubled or even tripled their salaries since joining uh Miss B because more people have access to their services uh, and they can find them and they can also fit them into everybody's schedules. So this, as I said, has been a massive success. And what's more is she's even applied uh, certain kinds of AI. Can you believe it? AI being applied to um, to the beauty industry. You wouldn't think so. But what the machine does or the app does is it machine learns your uh, matches between the therapist and the client. So the more things that you choose, the more it's able to show uh, what you need and the price ranges and uh, all this kind of stuff. And it's actually been specifically developed for this for this platform. The startup now has 1,000 suppliers uh, and 100,000 registered uh, clients. And its traffic is predominantly uh, for women aged between 30 and 40 who spend between an average uh, or spend on average rather $80 Per booking and things are only growing. Uh, it's also run by 12 employees uh, who run out of the Tel Aviv and London offices. So I mean, $80. What is that? Sure, that's that's 1,200 bucks uh, a session, which is you know not bad uh, if you are are a, a, a beautician. Uh, unsurprisingly, uh, Mayagura has been crowned Geek Times 2017 Female CEO uh, of the Year. And Miss Bees was recently appeared on Wide's list of the hottest startups in Tel Aviv uh, and was named best at home beauty treatment app by Harper's Bazaar. So I don't know. Sounds like a very, very uh, cool app. And it seems to be spreading uh, as well. They're expanding next into European countries, including Spain, Germany and France, as well as the US. So uh, who knows? Maybe in time it'll even come to South Africa uh, so that uh, people who are in the beauty business can get more clients. I certainly think it's a really interesting mashup of different uh, technologies and an industry where maybe you wouldn't think technology uh, has an application, but everything is being changed by some of these algorithms now. So I think it's a, a fascinating space uh, to be in. Uh, yeah, you can check more out, by the way, if you like that story on Israel 21C. We're going to take a, a short break now, and we'll be back just after that. Connecting our community. She's live. She's high. The 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM. New Blue Review with me, Benji Schulman. That was Avi Lach by Edward Banai. Great song uh, on uh, on the show today. I love uh, Edward Banai. It's kind of old school, but. Uh, they made him, they made him good in the old days. Now, this is fascinating. This, I love it. We're going to end on this particular show because sadly, if you are uh, a Liberal Party supporter uh, in Australia, so if you are a Liberal Party supporter in Australia, I'm sorry to have to break this news to you, but it turns out that the Liberal Party in Australia has lost its one seat majority in Parliament. It's a little bit like 
Nelson Mandela Bay uh, with the DA losing its one seat to the ANC. Uh, similar, but, you know, different. And, and they lost it because their um, seat in the, 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 the riding or the town or whatever it is, the, the position of Wentworth, recently uh, went the way of a different uh, political party. And uh, this is the first time in 108 years that this has happened. And it's interesting on this show for a couple of reasons. First is that it's got a very big uh, Jewish population, and there certainly are liberal voters uh, in Australia who vote uh, for the uh, for the liberal party from the Jewish community. And there are a lot of Jewish uh, voters uh, for this Wentworth seat. And uh, the other interesting thing is that it was the seat of Malcolm Turnbull. He was the former Australian Prime Minister who recently resigned after some internal gefuffling in the Australian system. And so they had to have this by-election. And the guy who was running is actually the former ambassador to uh, to Israel uh, from from Australia, and he's a Liberal Party member. And he suggested as part of his race that he would move the embassy from uh, from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem in Australia. Uh, and people were a little bit critical of this because they said they're playing politics with the issue of the embassy move. And uh, in any case, it doesn't seem to have helped uh, because a different Jewish candidate who was from an uh, independent party ended up taking the seat and, as I said, taking it for the first time in over 100 years. And so now, not only have they lost their seat and their prime minister, uh, but they've lost their entire majority in the House and will have to rely on deal-making as a minority government uh, until the election, which are in seven months' time. So it just goes to show uh, that even uh, trying to use uh, things like the embassy doesn't always get you votes. It's not one of those automatic things. Interesting way to end the show. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, uh, thank you to Mandy for doing the production. Craig, who helps us pushing all the big red buttons. Vusi on the sound. And thank you to all you for listening. We'll be back next week on the New Blue Review.